Rise up. Welcome to Rise Up Radar, where we keep the Falcons on your radar. Thank you for joining me, Stan Parker, for another episode. Let's have a ball and show. We are back with another episode. I got Chris, Zach, and Todd with me. How you fellas doing? Fantastic. Doing awesome. You know, I really let y'all talk me into the Falcons, like, having a chance against New Orleans, so I, I should have stuck with my original pick. I don't, I don't look, your, your score prediction, although the, the Madden-esque numbers could have come true the way the second half went down. Yeah. So. Yeah. If Jameis were to play. If, I mean, I, I thought Jameis was going to play. I was surprised. We did not even entertain the fact. That's right. That right. Jason Hill was going to, to play. And one of the big, I mean, Sean Payton's a punk. So, let's just, he, he's a punk and a crybaby. And thank you. He's a punk and a crybaby, and he did the biggest, like, y'all stink, and I'm going to beat you with a third-string quarterback ever. He waited until the end and named Taysom Hill as the quarterback. I mean, did you feel slightly disrespected by that? I mean, as a Falcons Falcons fan or a Falcon whatever, of naming Taysom Hill? Taysom Hill? I mean, if I was Jameis Winston, I might have, but otherwise, not really. No. I feel disrespected. No, not really. No, because I guess it wasn't I, – although I wasn't really paying attention to the media too much last week, but it wasn't like everybody was just saying or expecting that Jameis Winston was going to for sure start. We we kind of assumed that. I don't know what everybody else was thinking. So, I don't know how much of a slap in the face it really was. Well, the second half of the of the Saints game the week before when Winston played, I saw a good bit of that game, and he looked awful. Right. I, 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 I'm with you on that. But I, I feel like because you went with him and rode with him, that he was next in line. Yeah. But I, it felt like a little bit – because maybe it's just the, the hatred so deep or whatever is the, the rivalry there. But – I just felt like I was like, oh, you would, Sean Payton. You think that I took it as y'all stink so bad that Taysom Hill that can can't throw fifteen yards is gonna beat it's I'm gonna put him in. We're gonna try to beat y'all. And Marcus Lattimore didn't play. Like the scene was set as for a third string quarterback with a Tim Tebow gimmicky quarterback. Uh their number one corner was out. The, sit, the table was set for Matt Ryan to have a good day in the defense to, you know, maybe eat some if he, they didn't – they're going to break some blitz and rattle his cage. But, um, obviously, that did not happen. Um, so, the what, what did the final score end up being? 24-9? Yeah. Yeah, 24-9. 24-9. So, who – I mean – Todd, you were the only one that picked uh, the Falcons' uh, loss. What was your uh... – I'm, I'm a smart man. Uh, I mean, my takeaway, I mean, it, it was – I mean, it was predictable. I mean, the Falcons were going against a quarterback who they'd never seen before. And, I mean, it, it just worked out the way it was supposed to work out. And, of course, it's like Chris said last week, 
that uh, we would have had a better chance against Drew Brees. Absolutely. Uh, and it, we were just shocked, you know, shocked and um, just couldn't seem to regroup ourselves either. But, I mean, there's some good things to say about the Falcons, too. I thought defensively they played pretty well. Yes. Um, definitely Chris was wise was saying that maybe we had a fared better against Drew Brees because the Falcons have a pretty good track record of making average quarterbacks look like pro bowlers. Um, I'm a big proponent of that, and especially ones they've never seen. So, uh, so yeah. a, a starter gets hurt. Matthew Hasselbeck has to come in at 47 years old and throw three touchdowns. And, you know, they – you know, he they made Taysom Hill look like you know he, he made him look like a Pro Bowl. But um, but here's the deal, Sean Payton. Can I just he, can I ahead. just I, want, I just want to interject something real quick. And I, you know, I didn't get to be with you guys last uh, podcast, and so I was listening to it while I was mowing grass, and I almost fell off of the lawnmower when Todd Brooks said that the Carolina Panthers are our biggest rival. We're, listen to the way you're talking about Sean Payton right now. You've never talked about a Carolina coach like that. We hate the Saints and they hate us. Todd, you're nuts. Yeah, that's what I said. They're too classy. They have too many teeth. They can't be like they, the the Swamp people, man. They 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 get under my skin, boy. They just all that voodoo down there, man. I I do not like the Saints. I'll just. I don't like well, it. for the prospect of it being a competitive series, yes, the Carolina rivalry is, is much better than the New Orleans rivalry. New Orleans, we really haven't been all that competitive with New Orleans as far okay. as victories and stuff. I, okay, so um, in your vast knowledge of the rivalry, I'm putting you on the spot here, it, okay, is, sure. is this the worst loss to the Saints, to the rivalry the Saints? No, because this is the one that nobody cares about because everybody thought the Falcon season was over anyway. I don't think it's the worst. I couldn't really tell you which one was the worst. Um, I'd have to really think about that one, but off the top of my head, I couldn't give you an answer. Yeah, I just was putting you on the spot because I, I haven't thought of my – oh, the Katrina game where the – that was, that's the worst to me. That's the worst to but me. But that was to be – that was predictable, though. That was predictable. Well – Set up. The setup and just the whole pageantry of it, and it, they were they were in the lead with the blocked punt, like just the Falcons falling apart. Like on paper, they should have won that game, and the the whatever you know, all the pageantry of that night just. Uh, well, that also that also further solidifies who our biggest rival is. It's the Katrina game, and so who do they play? Their biggest rival, right. they Carolina. Saints, but uh, Todd, I'll give you credit. He, in the podcast, you said the Saints' defense is really strong, and I could see them really causing problems for Matt Ryan. I mean, you you predicted that one right on, right off the mm -hmm. bat. And, I called it, and Matt Ryan was running for his life the entire game. The Saints ended up with eight sacks and eleven quarterback hits. Um, I think going back to what Todd said. Uh, a, a big s surprise um, was the Falcons defense. Um, what did you, what, uh, what surprised you, Zach? What's uh, what the biggest surprise of the game? Maybe not the biggest, but like what surprised you? Um, I think just the lack of second half or halftime adjustments that the Falcons didn't really 
make and that what New Orleans, you know, did make. And they were able to just really kind of turn the whole game around. I mean, the Falcons were, were in control for relatively a quarter and a half for the most part. Defense looked really good. Um, and the second half, the defense didn't look bad, but it's just you couldn't get, any, get anything going offensively. So I think it was just the lack of the adjustments that weren't made by Atlanta. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the biggest surprise, I guess, for me, um, the defense playing well in the first half, which is the surprise. And um, another surprise to me was that the offensive line was not able to just even mm-hmm. even hold a nosebleed. And I thought that – I know that the, we have talked on the podcast that the offensive line hasn't been the problem, but it was a problem this game. And I know I've talked about Cam Jordan uh, making a career out of playing the Falcons, but uh, they just – it was – they it was – they had a translucent offensive line, and then it, it made life hard on everything. What about you? Yeah. I mean, Julio Julio Jones did, I thought – well, not Julio, but Calvin really did what he needed to do in order to be able for the Falcons to win the game. But my biggest surprise was really a positive thing, that the defense was able to stop Alvin Kamara, held him to only 45 yards rushing and zero catches, zero passing yards. Zero zero receiving yards. That's a good one. That's a good good point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's that's okay. Um, who gets uh, what was, did you have? A, what's your surprise, uh, Chris? I mean, like, what surprised you during the game? Or you stole game? my thunder. You stole my thunder. I, just the the complete absence of a running game. I mean, we could not get more than one yard, and it's so frustrating because that's why the offense isn't doing more. If you don't have any threat of a run, then you're dead. Yeah. Todd Gurley ended with eight carries and 26 yards, 3.2 yards per carry. I mean, and then they were trying, they were trying to play action pass off of that. And then if there's no, you know, if there's no action, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter. They're just, you know, right. wasting time back there. So, um, yeah. Um, I think a couple of those sacks were honestly on Matt Ryan. I would probably go at least two or three. Uh, just holding the ball, not just throw it away. You know, live to fight another down. There's a couple times they got up out of field goal range because of that. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, they were coming with pressure. And I heard too that I saw a tweet that historically that the Saints, the way they're schemed up now, they don't disguise any blitzes. They're like, you know, when you get they get the quarterback into the line to like 40s of Mike, and they're like calling out players who's coming and who's going. There's no guessing of like, hey, this guy's going to blitz. We should probably block him. And it was, I mean, it was it was like I'm not saying it was like rudimentary because obviously they they're good defense, but just there was no adjustment to help at all. Like run away from the defense, that'd be good. Well, it's like I said. I mean, that's the best defense the Falcons have faced all year, and against similar defenses, the Falcons have also struggled in the running game. So that wasn't a big shocker for me. I mean, I know the running game had emerged a little bit over the last few weeks, but you're back to playing good defenses again. It's just going to be hard for them. Yeah. So, um, so over the course of uh, of this game, there's a lot of things to be disappointed in, and a lot of 
facets of the game. It's like they are the Falcons are as bad as you thought they were, but who gets most of the who do you blame this the most on? Who who gets this embarrassing loss? Who gets most of the blame? Because there's plenty of blame. Let's not pretend it was one person or one whatever. But uh, who gets the most? Tom, Thomas Dimitrov. <laughs> Wow. You know what? Call him up right now. Chris, send an email. Go ahead and fire him a second time. Yes. He's in Colorado I mean, that's, somewhere. That's, that's who you have to blame. I mean, you, we, we, we got that little push from firing him, and you have that new life for a second. But you knew that wasn't going to last. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're not going to just turn it all around all of a sudden. As much as I wanted to see it, uh, I, I, blame, I blame the former regime. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a good that's a good point. Um, what about you, Zach? Um, I think just dirt cutter. Dirt cutter. I mean, you know, I think uh, the the elephant in the room. I guess uh, it, I saw a stat today. You were talking about the sacks. Would you say we, they, they end up with eight sacks? Yeah, eight. I saw I saw a stat today in like the like five seasons under dirt cutter. You know, Matt Ryan's been sacked like 160, 170 times, and under you know, Mike Malarkey in like four or five years, it was like half that amount of sacks. Again, you can't necessarily – and now it's a totally different offensive line. There were some dogs on that offensive line when when Malarkey was here. But I don't know. I just – you know, just the – I think the run game is so frustrating or the lack thereof. And and it's like Chris said, you – you can't really get much going offensively in general with the passing game if your run game isn't a threat. And I – I put some blame on not – I mean, on the offensive line, but not just solely on the offensive line. I think on just the play calling. Um, but, you know, that's, we're, we're beating a dead horse at that. We've we've mentioned that many times. Uh, I, I would – I'm like Zach. I put it on dirt cutter. I have a hard time, like, really attributing this loss to Dimitrov just because of the fact that the offense is the team's strength. And the defensive side actually played pretty well for the most part. So, I, I thought the play calling was awful. Um, Dirt Cutter's been awful most of the year, even in wins. So, uh, it's totally on him. Yeah, I'm going to go, like, totally off, like, you know, totally hot takey and totally controversial right here. I'm going Arthur Blank mm. for hiring Dirt Cutter. <laughs> So I don't, he didn't hire Dirt Cutter, though, did he? It was, it was a decision by the coaching staff. I mean, he signed off on it, I guess, but he's not the one who made that decision. All right, good point. But he – I mean, I guess he did uh, – had the final say. I guess he didn't put together a committee to give up. But he should have never – they should have never hired him. I mean, from the rip, I knew this was a bad idea. And you were talking about, like, stats of, like, what Dirt Cutter's previous regimes – you could go through like Dirk Cutter's like career of the running game and the ineffectiveness of it and the offensive line and just he doesn't care about it. I mean, yeah. Hey, I, listen, I, I feel like you're right about. I, I, I'm rethinking my blame here a little bit. You're right. Our defense did play well, but you have to take in my, keep in mind who the quarterback was. You know, somebody yeah. who's not going to throw it against you. So, yeah. What what would have been a bad defensive effort? What what's the line that that we should have given up versus what we did give up? I mean, it doesn't matter because you're not going to hold them to eight points or less. Right. 
and they actually doinked the field goal. So, I mean, it could have been three points. I mean, mm-hmm. it could have been three more points. You know, they dropped the interception in the red zone, the Falcons. So, I mean, I don't know. It's There's a lot of ifs, ands, and buts, obviously, in football in general. But, um, yeah, that's uh, – it's just so for sure. Okay, so is this is this? I'm jumping ahead in the sheet, um, but it's, it pertains to our topic right now. Is this loss egregious enough? Obviously, this week it hasn't done it in the short week or whatever. But is this enough, Todd, in your eyes to fire Dirk Cutter? I, mean, I don't see any point in firing Dirk Cutter. I mean, but reality is that most of these guys won't be coaches on the team next year. I would just keep Dirk Cutter till the end of the year and be like, "You're gone." Have a nice day. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, Todd's Todd's just saying that just because he's thinking if Dirk Cutter's on the team, just increases Atlanta's chances of losing and tanking. That's that's the reason why. Mm-hmm. With exactly. Chris, I'm not going to deny that either. Yeah, yeah <laughs> hey. Chris, you're, you're saying it. Go ahead, Chris. I don't already know. I, as I was listening to your to your uh, podcast, I, I thought you know, it's so funny. It's like a pendulum. Last week, y'all had convinced me that we shouldn't try to tank. But after watching that game, you tell yourself, you know what we're, you know what we're about to do? We're about to go, what, six and seven or what it is, whatever. I mean, eight, eight and eight, something like that, seven and nine. It's awful. Todd, or, that, or Chris, sorry, I can't even get your name right. You made me, no, we cannot. That's the worst thing we could do right now. We're bad. Let's stay bad. Because you're looking at teams ahead of everybody at the draft order. They're picking number eight right now, and there's no way you get a quarterback, but you could get a really good defensive end or a good linebacker in that spot. So, and so I thought of something that we we should discuss either now or at a later date. What we're stuck with this situation where the worst record gets the first pick, and that's obviously a toxic situation, right? Because mm-hmm. people are going to you're going to tank, and especially if you get a bunch of teams trying to do it. I don't, I don't know that we've reached that point, but what would be a system that would keep that from happening? Oh, That'd be something to consider. I like the way the NBA does it. I mean, right. I, I like mm-hmm. the way it's just random. I mean, the Hawks have gotten screwed on that deal every year, but, but I like the way the NBA does it because it doesn't – it kind of rewards you for tanking, but you're not guaranteed with that uh, – with the number one pick or even the top five pick having the worst record. So I think that would be you know more the way to go. I think I think well kind of just a little devil's advocate there that the NBA has more of a tanking problem than the NFL does. And uh, I'm not so sure that that system works. And also too the NBA system has no transparency. Uh, Envelopes get handed there's no if we're going to be completely transparent and completely random, ping pong balls and the giant thing and it's churning, and you, but you don't ever see them reaching there and grab one out and say, you know, bingo, B16, the Atlanta Hawks get the number one pick. It's, it's always, it's not transparent. There's been several drafts, several drafts of being, well, what are the odds that, you know, the number one pick for Derrick Rose goes to Chicago and he's from Chicago, you know, so. There's some conspiracies there. What you got, Todd? Yeah, but but Stan, here's the thing though. I mean, 
New Orleans and who got it this year? Minnesota have had the number one draft choices the last two years. There's no benefit to the NBA at all for sending the number one draft pick to New Orleans or to Minnesota. Those are small market teams, not a lot of fan support. They've gotten Zion Williamson and they got uh, Ant Man this year. Uh, you know, so I, I don't see any benefit in those franchises getting the number one pick. I don't think it's set up. Now, if it were the Knicks or the Bulls or the Lakers getting it, then yeah, I would think something's up. But the small market teams, I don't really worry about that. I mean, that's that's a good that's a good counterpoint. But you know, there's been times in the past. Maybe Adam Silver has come in and has eliminated that. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know what other system. You, I mean, do you have a system in mind, uh, Chris? Yes, and it's, it, you'll probably point out problems. I'm sure there are some. But what I would like to see is teams that don't make the playoffs compete by whoever has the best record that doesn't make the playoffs gets the higher pick. So that if you're bad, you're still fighting for better picks by winning versus oh, – yeah. The problem with that is there would be teams that would rather not make the playoffs then. Mm-hmm. Be right. the top seed versus that. Yeah, right. You right. have an eleven game. You have eleven game winner missed the playoff because they played a tough division, and now they get the number one pick, and the rich get richer. So well, the, do, the other but, problem I see with that too is that the teams that are legitimately bad, the ones with the really poor records, they never really have a chance to get better either. Well, there you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Because you're rewarding teams for stinking. And doing and, and just losing. There's there's a, if you come in there with a good general manager and you you play the, your cards right and you make the right trades, right personnel, you can you can work yourself out of that terrible position. I think. I just wish you could. I wish you could play for it somehow. I, I don't know what the answer is. Obviously, I don't know the Jets. I mean, there's several franchises that have been. I mean, dumpster fires for decades. So, I, but and they're getting top picks, and they're still that. Ah, uh, sure. That's, that that makes a point for yours. Okay. Yeah. Bad, bad management. Bad. Yeah, I mean, just and I would even say bad ownership of just poor decision making yeah. from the top down. But I don't know how you you stop tanking. Make have a like a I don't know like a turn. Even that's terrible. Like a tournament because the goal is winning. But yeah, that's. It's an interesting concept. I'd have to, I'd think about it more, and I'll probably bring it up on the next one, uh, or uh, on a later date. But I'll, I'll think about it. That's an interesting. I'll try to fix it. The, the problem with the tournament stand is that that would have to be a restructured collective bargaining agreement, and the players don't want to play more games now. I mean, they already were arguing about having to play those preseason games, right? As it was, I, I and they didn't even want to add two more games to the NFL schedule without lots of additional compensation. So, that had to be another money talk. I just don't see players signing on for something like that. Yeah, totally agree. Maybe they have, like, a spell and B or something. Spell and B, yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> we're just – we're popping ideas in and out. I know it. Hey, why not? Uh, Spuck them if you got them. All right, so, um, yeah, I, all right. Uh, with with uh, Dirt Cutter at – in the, this morning at 9.30, I wrote my notes that he should be fired uh, because I was so upset about this. And just – they're coming off a of bye. They have all these op- opportunities to to 
cut off by people are hurt for the Saints. We've got a third-string quarterback who has thrown a total of 18 passes in the NFL, and um, and they fell flat. They looked horrible. Um, and so I was ready to fire, I was ready to call him and fire him. But now hearing Todd's voice, hearing Christopher's voice, hearing Zach's voice, and you know, like, you know what? It's okay. Let him play the last seven. What are we? It's seven more games, and I don't even think it's seven. I don't. Uh, but we're down to six now. Six, down to six, six games. Sorry. Yeah. And yeah. so just ride it out. And just know I've got my my voice out there that I I Dirk Cutter is not the answer, and he they won't bring him back. There's no way they'll bring him back. Um, well, if they what what would that look like if they got rid of him? Who would call the plays? Uh, Greg Knapp is my answer. I mean he's he's been here before. He came back. He's the quarterbacks coach. I think he's been the quarterback coach twice now, I think. Uh, he, I think he was the offensive coordinator under Jim Moore. He, that wasn't any better. He ran that West Coast. I didn't like that either. Well, he, I just don't want a an uptick in our offense, like you said, not only not only for draft picks, but, but – and I think you're going to bring this up. I, I want a clean sweep of the whole staff mm-hmm. at the end of the year. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I don't, I don't want something funny going on. And like you know what? Hey, he had a couple good games. We ought to give him another shot. Like I feel like the Falcons are always like talking themselves into stuff. So that leads me into uh, the next question. Okay, so well before we get to the next, is is dirt cutter? I had no empirical evidence. This is eye test only, no data. Is was is dirt cutter better play caller than? Sarkeesian? Uh, no, no. Sarkeesian's better. Sarkeesian was not given enough of an opportunity in Atlanta. Obviously. I mean, the offense was still really good when he was there, and I thought there was more balance to it, too. I, I, there's no way that the dirt cutter is better than Sarkeesian. I feel like yeah. Sarkeesian became a cuss word for whatever reason. Um, it was a lot of, uh, it was a lot of uh, disdain for, Dirk, for Sarkeesian's name, um, and he became a scapegoat. You had these you had these expectations that he was going to be the next Shanahan because he was he was stepping into that role and it was sort of unfair to some degree. I mean, even though he, he I guess he pretty much had the same offense minus what Tevin Coleman was the only one maybe or maybe he had Tevin Coleman one year I don't know, but um, I think it was just the the expectations uh, and I wouldn't even say that had let's just hypothetically say Shanahan would have stuck around that next year Atlanta. May not may not even put up those same type of numbers even the the following year, um, so no, I, I I definitely think that Sark was a better play caller than Dirt Cutter. Well, they were at their ceiling under Shanahan too. I, I don't think right. they would have ever. I mean, that was an all time record breaking season for the Falcons mm-hmm. franchise. So there was nowhere else to go but down, and that automatically set Sarkeesian up for failure. That's right. Coming well, into the job as office of coordinator. That is a well, very like very. Uh, Good point, Todd. I don't think I've I've never I hadn't thought of it like that. That's um um that's a very good point. That's that was their ceiling. They played out of their mind and they had to come down. Well, we started the same offensive line every game that season. We, no injuries on the O line, and so it was fantastic. Yeah, and uh, very very true. So, um, 
the last question on my sheet is uh, this is it's an obvious question, but Raheem Morris has coached his way out of being considered for the head coaching job officially now, right? Stan, I never really considered him a serious candidate in the first place. So, uh, yeah, he's he's done. Okay. All right. I'm just making sure you think – well, I'm, I'm Todd, you're not as important as Arthur Blank um, in this instance. Um, to me, you are. <laughs> Don't – to me, you are. But Yeah, Todd. In, in, according to the Falcons organization, who do you think, who do you, think low, you are? You're pretty low on the list. So, do you think Arthur is going to, you know, is going to look at – uh, Raheem Morris in a serious consideration? I don't no, think Arthur Black all... ever considered him a legitimate candidate either. I mean, he already has said that he had to go, you know, he would be considered if he was 11 and 0, and he's far from that. So, no, he's not a serious candidate. I'm on a Facebook he group. Said, was... He said that? Yeah. Well, he yeah. said in a press conference, he said, at a press conference. In a press conference, when they were announcing everybody got fired, it was like, hey, Dan Quinn and Dimitrov got fired. They were like, hey, are you going to consider Raheem Morris? And he chuckled and said, yeah, if he goes 11 0. Oh, gotcha. And he's gone not 11 0. I think it's 2 and 2 now. Um, and so remember, we talked about like uh, the general manager. Um, pick was for me and I think for Todd as well, uh, Lewis Reddick um, and uh, yeah. Eric Bienemy. It's uh, I've somebody on Twitter posted a picture of Lewis Lewis Reddick and Eric Bienemy, like kind of like at a like a little you know collage thing. And he, the the caption was, "Can you imagine this Atlanta? Wouldn't this be nice?" And Eric Bienemy, like or not Eric Bienemy, but uh. Lewis Reddick liked the tweet. Yeah. Lewis Reddick is in the running. I, I honestly think Eric Benemini is going to be hard to get to Atlanta because I think he's probably going to go for that Houston job. Houston job, yeah. yeah. That's just my, that's my pick. But um, yeah, maybe it does happen. Who knows? So, we can, we can all dream. I think, I think another yeah. – sorry, sorry to cut you off. But another point I thought of today, too, when you when – you, be enemy or whatever coach you decide to get to. If they're a head coach and they're offensive minded, like a McVay or like an Andy Reid, they will always be able to 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 per, at, get an offensive coordinator how they see can and facilitate and to be an extension of their play calling. Because let's face it, Dan Quinn when. Um, Oh, I lost his name. Shanahan. When Shanahan got poached, and you can't blame him for going to take another head to go job. That's just the way the thing works. But when he got poached, it just so happened they had a golden pick. And when he got poached, Dan Quinton didn't know who else to, like, who runs good offenses? Oh, this old guy does. Have you ever ran the Shanahan? We want the Shanahan offense without Shanahan. Have you ever ran that? No. It's like, I think you could do it. And so – a person who is an offensive-minded coach could see the baby, the, the vision of what they want to run and still, you know, put the right person in place. So I think offensive-minded has – it has to be offensive-minded. So anyway, sorry, t- long-winded answer. Zach, what's, what was you were trying to say? Oh, I can't even remember. No. I'm sorry. No, it's all good. Um, so, yeah, very disappointing loss to the, the, uh, the Saints, but n- – it's kind of surprising, but not really. So, um, 
Defense played well. It was close at halftime. I mean, it was 10 to 9. It was like a baseball score for the Braves. But, yeah, um, I don't know. Just Well, that, that game set you up for false expectations because, like, I felt like in that first quarter, on that first drive, the Falcons, you know, Matt Ryan was passing it all over the field, five different receivers. And then we had to settle for a field goal. And you can't – in those kind of situations, you have mm-hmm. to get six. You cannot settle for a field goal. Yeah, my yeah. yeah, my favorite like you know, like screenplays, like like three screenplays in a row, that kind of stuff. Like play calling of like you know what, second and long, little 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 halfback dive here, just very vanilla and uh, very like me screaming at my TV. I ended up jumping up and doing other stuff. I just knew. I mean, half I was glued till halftime, and then halftime like the third quarter started was like. Oh, the Saints actually had a meeting and the Falcons didn't. Like, I don't know. They were all playing. <laughs> it's like, did y'all meet? Did y'all talk about anything? Eating peanut butter jelly sandwiches in there? Like, what, what happened in there? So, um, anyway. They talked about moving up into the draft stand. That's yeah, they were, they were like, oh, you know, I heard that guy from Miami. He's a good pass rusher. Um, speaking of, uh, Pass rusher, there's some, you know, there's some headlines going into our next game against the Raiders. So we'll talk about that on our uh, on our next episode. Uh, anybody else have anything else for the people before we get out of here? A question to consider at a next at a later episode. Okay. Does Todd Gur- does Todd Gurley regret coming to Atlanta? And to add on to the second layer. Do they bring him back if he wants to be back? So we could we could discuss that at a later time, but that's something for the people to think about. Um, anybody else got anything? No, not really. Right. No, no, no. Well, happy Thanksgiving! Happy Thanksgiving! It's turkey. Um, we lots of. Uh, turkey. Does everybody here do like traditional Thanksgiving? Yes, I do traditional Thanksgiving. Except for dessert. Now, for dessert this year, I'm gonna fix a creme brulee for dessert. That's what we're gonna try. I don't even know what it is, and I couldn't spell it either. Oh, Um, it's really good. We're doing French. It sounds like (laughs) uh, we're gonna do three three racks of ribs. Um, Oh wow! Yeah, my brother's grilling out. So uh, we I, we hadn't done a traditional Thanksgiving in I don't know how long it's been a long I mean we did pork chops one year Dad was like Dad like knows a butcher or, you know something kind of we've done steak we've done pork chop we've done them all just no turkey we just we haven't done turkey in a long long time so what about you Zach y'all do uh, traditional yeah, we're very traditional. My, although my mom, we celebrated with my mom last week, and she threw out the idea of like spaghetti, and I was like, no. no. I mean, it's it's not like you eat Thanksgiving food all the time, so I try to relish it whenever it's here. So that's why I guess I'm a traditionalist, so to speak. So we had convinced her to do like turkey and dressing. So I was like, yeah, because and especially because we did it last week. We did it last Friday, so it wasn't like we were yeah. we had Tuesday. And then again on Thursday, so it was like it—it it wouldn't get old. What you, Chris? I'm smoking a turkey breast, uh, nice. and we're going, 
going to my mom's and she does the, the bakes the whole turkey. I'm doing the turkey breast to make sure we have leftover white meat for sandwiches. The That's rest right. Man, right. It'll put you in a coma, baby. That's good stuff. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Well, thank y'all for jumping on with us tonight. Um, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Everybody be safe. Be, you know, you know, do what you got to do. Uh, remember, no loud, no, no loud music. And um, it matters. Zach, quit laughing. <laughs> um, thank y'all for joining us for another episode of Rise Up Radar. If you like what you heard tonight, go ahead and like us on Facebook. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or whatever you, wherever you get your podcasts these days. And until next time, fellas, rise up.